1: Hey guys, this is Brandon fam. On behalf of Game Dev Unchained, we want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas. And since this is a season for gifting, we want to remind you guys to enter into our December raffle. This is completely free. All you need to do is just share your favorite episode, share a post on our social media, tag us, and you're entered into the raffle, right? If you're a patron uh, on Patreon, you're automatically enrolled. This is a chance for you to win free stuff. We're talking about games that our previous guest has worked on. So please do not miss out. As usual, you can find more information in the link description. Go to our main website, www.gamedevunchained. Also, in addition, if you want to support the podcast, go to our patreon.com forward slash gamedevunchained. Continue the discussion in our Discord channel. It's completely open to the community. It's a chance to talk to other listeners. Larry and I are occasionally in there as well. Drop in and discuss. Let's get back into this week's episode.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls this is that podcast about game development it is game dev unchained and i'm here one half of the game dev unchained podcasting team the number one podcast for video game development stories and lifestyles you know i couldn't do it by myself i always bring my tag team partner he is the man who always pulls out the toy before he eats the cereal mr brandon fan
1: I am one of those guys that love the toys and throw away the cereal. This is Brandon Fam. Welcome to this week's episode. Bring a special guest with me, Michael Rudd. How are you doing, Michael?
2: I'm great, thank you, and thank you for letting me join in.
1: Hey man, thank you for getting up early to do this.
0: <laughs> no
1: problem. Yeah, well, well, where, where are you joining us when... from? The listeners... I'm joining you from
2: uh, Copenhagen, Denmark. Awesome.
1: So this is the part of the podcast where we kind of asked our guests. Uh, a little bit about your background. Uh, tell a little bit of where you came from, where you are now. Just a little preview of who you are.
2: Yeah, if we if we roll really far back in time, I actually have a degree in ceramic and ceramic design. So yeah. I'm normally used to throwing clay and stuff like that. But uh, but at, at at some point, I changed to what's called digital design, and then from then on, it have been about creating uh, computer games. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I joined the industry for more than 10 years ago at a small company called Sideguys. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also an indie company, though we ended up being about 30 guys, so it's just quite, quite a large company. Mm-hmm. And then I've been working at uh, IO Interactive, H- Ken and Lynch uh, yeah. 2, Dog Days as an environment artist, and uh, on... Uh, The newest hitman for several years as a game designer. (laughs) And then I
0: started my own project in 2014. (laughs) So nice. Uh, I want to point out one thing. I see on the resume you you went all the way up the environment art chain and was a lead environment artist and then also went into game design. So before we get into the Uh deep game design stuff, can you take us through that crucial part of your career where you
1: said screw art, it's all about design. <laughs> yeah. Just so Brandon knows. When, when did you betray us? Uh, Let's start with that.
2: It's, uh, I think. Uh, I think uh, since school, mm. it has been very much about um, um, game design and level design. Uh, but but uh, and I actually I actually had a dream about. Uh, I mean, that's thirteen years ago. I had a dream about. Uh, creating my own game, but but first I want all the the good experience. So I imagine that uh, one entry into the the AAA business is through art. You rarely at that point you didn't uh, you didn't get hired as a as a game designer at least. So uh, so I've always been interested in level design and game design, uh, but but uh, art have been my my gateway so to speak yeah. and that actually uh, happened at uh, at the IO Interactive uh, uh, during uh, the Hitman I was part of a very small incubation group and uh, there I had my chance to, to prove myself as a game designer as well mm-hmm. and then I, I made the, a smooth swap there and ended up also being a lead game designer on Hitman for a shorter period mm-hmm.
1: so that's, I, a, that's a crazy Uh, To most people out there, like, that shift from artist-designer is not an easy move. It it takes a lot more work than you would think. Um, And we have a lot of listeners out there, too, like, that would always ask about, you know, they would want to really do one thing. But situations like yourself where uh, entry-level designers isn't really a thing, you know, you really have to work hard for it if it is. But Mm. rarely someone hires you out of school to become a designer. And yeah. then you always had that in the back of your mind. So what What kind of conscious thing did you do to kind of build up to that opportunity to finally, I mean, did you like delay your your colleagues <laughs> coming in no. or, or something like that? You know, like what, what kind of magic did you pull or opportunities you saw where you finally struck to be uh, to make that crossover?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's. I think uh, these years,
1: I think between
2: 2000 and 2010 and up to now, I think before, in the early days, you didn't have (laughs) titles uh, like uh, a game designer was not a specific title. It it started to come when when I began in in the AAA industry, but it was mostly even environment artists and level designers, so they were often mixed in, uh, so they did both. Uh, both the art and, and the level design uh, in the big companies there was a separation uh, but but I don't even remember I think I think also at IO active in the early days it was the level designer and the game programmers and, and like the team was kind of the collective game designer so the game designer is the guy keeping track of all the mechanics and making sure that that All the mechanics works well together, right? So, uh, so it was it was in that period that this this there was a more uh, constant workflow on, on on that direction. And so, what did I do? Well, I when I was I always have an opinion that's good so if, if <laughs> you have a, if you want to to be part of something then you mm-hmm. have to engage and and uh, and commit yourself to that uh, and then we did that uh, as the environment the uh, team a lot uh, in kenan 2. so mm-hmm. instead of just making art we had a lot of ideas of how you could blend uh, you know the game mechanics into the environment uh, mm-hmm. with Things that you could break. We have some uh, uh, sheds or shacks uh, in a poor man's area. And Mm -hmm. instead of just walking through it, you could shoot them to pieces uh, (laughs) and see whoever was hiding in there and and stuff like that. And and we spent a lot of time figuring out how could we use the environment as part of the, the, the challenge for the player. Mm -hmm. Um, so it started even on Kenelins 2 and then it moved up uh, to Hitman so as part of this incubation uh, theme or uh, incubation team where we had to rethink uh, rethink Hitman and kind of the challenge was to f- go back from the to the roots. So mm-hmm. it, this was after Hitman Absolution, that had been very shooter oriented and uh, with a, a narrow story. Mm-hmm. We wanted to to go back and have more uh, freedom of approach and more options and more Hitman, more stealth, uh, mm-hmm. disguises and and everything, um, and and being part of, of the team that that did that uh, gave me a, a very unique opportunity to be
0: part of uh, designing uh, yeah. the hitman experience yeah. so hitman itself right like i love how you how you exclaim <clears throat> we wanted to go back to the roots because the one before is very shooter and, and like i agree hitman is a game that's full of agency and opportunity and the cunning and guile of the player is always tested. But the thing is, it first has to be anticipated by the designer, I would assume. So can you kind of take us through let's let's go back in time a little bit and let's talk about how you say I need to design this sandbox <laughs> where the player can come up with all these crazy ideas or anticipate how they're going to try to overlap mechanics mm. to progress through your level. Is there a trick to it? Is there just, you have to do a lot of brilliance or maybe you just trust that your mechanics work very well and you see what they come up with, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> uh,
2: ra- rarely uh, in game design, uh, you could use trust. <laughs> to...
0: <laughs> I should it's, say hope.
2: Maybe yeah, <laughs> <You> hope. <laughs> you're, it's always about proving things or testing yeah. things. It's, um, so uh, when we started, we, we actually did something um, very special. So I started up, I've, I have a background in Dungeons & Dragons, so I played yeah. a lot of Dungeons & Dragons as a All kid. Right. And um, we wanted to kind of uh, clear the, the, the whiteboard totally and say, okay, we have the fantasy of a hitman and to figure out <coughs> sorry what fan what 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 that uh, fantasy consists of we uh, made a role playing game a hitman role playing game mm-hmm. so i was sitting uh, in uh, i was sitting and, and making a, a hitman board game mm-hmm. where, with small characters i cut them out in carbon and uh, painted on them and we made money and we made levels uh, Mm -hmm. in drawings just Mm -hmm. like a good old Dungeons and Dragons uh, Mm -hmm. game just with Hitman as a theme Mm -hmm. and then we went around inviting uh, players in and it kind of started like yeah so you are Hitman and uh, in the beginning there's almost no rules you can do whatever is, is allowed within you know Mm-hmm. the 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 laws of the nature. And and then uh, players started uh, playing, so I could give them a, a, a mission that uh, kind of, you met this guy and he just uh, gave you this mission. He needs somebody to be killed. Uh, you'll be rewarded with X amount of money and so on. And then they kind of, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And then it was very, very open. And uh, they approached the target and they killed him in, in different ways. And we made notes uh, on the things they were saying the things they used uh, all the tools and stuff like that and then we moved forward and and created rules around mm-hmm. their their fantasy it's actually okay. very much about how how they they defined the, the hitman fantasy and and that means we didn't much ourselves but we kind of said we're doing a hitman game yeah. what is a hitman doing in people's own mind right yeah. and then we created rules and then uh, around that and it ended up with i mean i had like this huge board game um yeah as i said with money and weapons small pictures of all kinds of weapons uh yeah. with silencers and uh, you have uh, syringes with the uh, sedatives and and i mean and you could shoot out the uh, cameras and, and put small there was a lot of stuff and uh, people really liked all the you know all the the, the small technology that could yeah. help you uh, being a modern hitman yeah and uh, i went even to uh, san francisco to to try uh, playing this game uh, uh, with some uh, some U.S. citizens, so to speak, because they just have a, a little bit different mindset uh, than yeah. the Danish. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, for example, they expected people to have guns <laughs> all around. <laughs> so uh, there was uh, cases where you have uh, you you break into a house and and he said, uh, "Yeah, I'm going to look for the gun." What gun? <laughs> yeah, yeah he probably had a gun. Okay, yes, but uh, then you start looking at stuff like that.
0: And, uh, With such is, confidence, it's the gun, gun. It's the gun in the
1: dresser, of course.
0: Yeah, exactly. They're, They're so, uh, the bottom. And when they got out on the
2: street, they were always like, "Okay, I'm gonna grab the car." And uh, it was like, "Ah, but but uh, we didn't imagine Hitman to ride in a car." So we have made a system with public transport, but that was not really popular. (laughs) So uh, so on on that regard, we had to okay, we have to figure out how to Hitman if he needs to be transported from one street to another. How do how do we do that? Unless you want to. Steal a car, and then we we move into the Grand Theft Auto and universe and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's very much about you know the design is very much about touching about, uh, around people's fantasy, trying to confirm like the rules around that, and and give people the freedom that they need to express themselves, so to say.
0: Yeah, man. I just, I remember some memories in that game where I would say like, oh, if I take this uniform, I can sneak by these guys or, oh, I know he's going to take a break and walk out of the room. Or uh, I think one recently, there's a guy playing golf on a patio and you could give him an exploding golf ball and just sit back and watch him kill himself. You know, like stuff like that is just little touches of genius. Uh, My question for you though is: Did your publisher ever walk in and catch you guys doing the paper dolls? You know, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was a uh,
2: pretty. Uh, I think it was a very successful, yeah. um, uh, successful research into, yeah. uh, you know, when you do the, what do we call it? The 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 pre uh, all the preparation before you actually go into production for for the game I think we learned a lot of answers and we we, we moved it forward so it it's um, it's a bit time consuming I think it's only something you do in in, in big corporations right where it's it's a, I mean it's a huge production we are starting so it's good to know that you have a strong foundation mm-hmm. but we moved on so from the paperwork it went into a prototype in the computer so we used kind of, we created a level and, and it was that level that we have tested on the prototype. So <clears throat> when I was sitting and, and and doing the level design on, on this, it, this was a test level. When we did the level design, I already knew from, you know, 10 uh, or 20 playthroughs what people would do when they arrive to certain areas, uh, if they would uh, go turn off the light here and, and stuff like that. So it, it It was a very very transparent way of working because normally for example if you do a level design of of a hitman level you'll create all the buildings and then you know the level patterns and you put in the game mechanics and you put in the ai Mm -hmm. and then you will test it and then people will run around in you know in, in gray boxes but at this, uh, this stage, I had already tested the level uh, with a lot of playthroughs. So it might be as a board game, but you still have a huge understanding of what is going on in the mind of the player, even before they are setting their foot into the, into the level. So, so when you put it into the computer, it's very much about where do the, the player look, how much it's in his, uh, um, in his it. view. Uh, and and stuff like that. Then what can he hear? So it's, I mean, in 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 uh, uh, when you play a board game, the player he he looks at it as top down. But in the computer game, you can you can see a guard. Ah, oh, there's a guard on my left, and then you turn around and look, and then on the right you see oh, there's a window, and then you go and climb in, and you forget everything about the guy the guard just a few meters away, right? So it's very much about what's in what do people remember when, when they're playing the, the computer game? Mm.
0: So my last question on the Hitman mechanics I'll ask is, and it's 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 kind of bringing it back a little bit to a question I asked earlier, but I'm asking it with a little bit of seasoning on it this time. Were you ever surprised by like maybe a, a YouTuber playing the game or just one of the playtests internally, where somebody used or combined some systems in Hitman in a totally unexpected or unique way that like oh wow i never thought to you know put the trigger over here or put the thing that grabbed this guy's attention in traffic and he almost got hit by a car or you know what i mean like something i don't know i'm i'm just kind of pulling it out of my butt right now but you know what i mean like did they did you see some really cool ingenuity in the play test that you didn't anticipate or expect i guess in development
2: yes i think i, I think with a game like hitman that happens a lot because uh, Hitman is is very much a, a, you know a tool set of different mechanics that is designed to be combined in different ways uh, and then have the player play around with them um, in 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 different uh, orders. So I think yes, uh, you never know with uh, with Hitman players because it's it's a very creative game. <laughs> Creative killing game, right? A simulation. So, uh, so I think the approach uh, when designing a mechanics for Hitman is to have them kind of open-ended. So, uh, so it's very much about ah, uh, you could if you do this with this mechanic, it opens up different possibilities, and then you try to design um, design a mechanic mechanics so that they work uh, together on. I can I say that. So they some synergy, right? It's it's like a doors, a doors in a room, so you can open, you open different doors really? uh, in the level, and and you don't you don't do too much with the AI so that it will ignore those doors. So mm-hmm. it's very much about the opening possibilities, mm-hmm. and when you do that in a game, you will be surprised of how they turn out to be used, mm-hmm. so uh, yes, I, I think that happens a lot, but it yeah. you also, and that especially as a level designer and game designer, you have this idea that uh, you are making <clears throat> something that's very obvious for everyone mm-hmm. to do, <laughs> you want them to, to do something special, and no one can see it, so it's, I think the communication part, uh, as as a game developer, being able to communicate your ideas or your uh, intentions to the player is one of the biggest challenges uh, at all times, and I think it 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 have always been, and it probably will always be like that.
1: Yeah. Something that I've always uh, been interested and in, uh, impressed with are designers that utilize uh, game prototyping with board games first before turning into whatever medium, right? In our case, digital uh, games. Is this a process that you witnessed and adopted or was it always something that you've always been uh interested in and you just incorporated with everything that you've done? Because I feel like it's underutilized in most game development. Mm-hmm. I feel like every game should go through this process, but not everybody does that unfortunately. <laughs> but when I do see it utilized correctly, it's just it's just so fun and amazing, it's so organic.
0: Yeah,
2: it's um I don't think it's it's used enough. Um, it's it's also spec- uh, I mean, it's important to to acknowledge that that doing kind of role playing or board games as a, as a, as a design method is not something you can do to all games. so if if the games is very, you know, action dependent. That you need that it's reaction. If it's physical, we call it a physical challenge. So that you have to use your uh, your fingers and and uh, press buttons in a in a certain uh, certain way. It's hard to test on a a board game. But if if your game have uh, some strategic elements or tactical elements to it, if it has a story or or uh, something like that. Then it's 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 pretty good to use. Uh, I think uh, board board games as a as an early design method, and it it has it has a lot of advantages. I mean, okay. it's it, it's extremely fast to iterate on it. So, in the Hitman example, and we a- also did it actually in um, in wartime. So you. Uh, you, you create a design, you play it, and you figure out, okay, there's too many enemies, or I need to move these things around. Then you just do it, and then you can play again. So you can do this within one hour or something like that. Uh, but, but if you only prototype your levels inside the engine, it takes, it normally takes a lot of time just to move a house around, or move a door or window, and uh, apply new systems and changing the AI. So it, it, it I mean, it, this is days, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's, it's. If it's possible, I would clearly recommend using proto- uh, paper prototypes for all your designs before even touching the engine uh, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, in Warta, we used it uh, as a way of trying to grasp our system. So Wartile is a real-time strategy game, even though it feels like a turn-based. And and when we started figuring out those mechanics, we we did a a board game and we could clearly see that we would have some challenges uh, with the animations when there was a lot of enemies at the board at the same time and stuff like that. So... um, yeah, I can only recommend uh, designers to use uh, board games or paper designs uh, before they start doing anything in the engine. And uh, it goes through all all type of features, I think. If you're doing a shop, then make it on paper and trying mm-hmm. to, you know, move all the different pieces around and you press the buttons and just do all the designs
0: on, on paper and have it work there
2: and then you move it into the computer. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's a a perfect time for a segue. So before we dig deep into War Tile and talk about what what you guys are up to now, I actually have designed a game that I would like you to play. It's a very quick game. I think it's really fun. And we're going to play it on the podcast. Do you want to give it a shot? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So this game is called The Fast Five. How it works is I'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions and I'm simply looking for five rapid fire answers. Should you successfully complete that challenge? You get to ask next week's guest, a very pertinent game development question and no killings. This is a, it's all in good fun. So you can put the (laughs) piano wire down. All right. Question number one for you, sir. What is your favorite card game? Oh, it was a fast answer. <laughs> I, would.
2: <laughs> I would put Hearthstone in, uh, right. even though it's, I don't yeah. know if it's a card game.
0: That's, that counts. But that I counts don't play
2: poker, so. Uh, All
0: right. Shout out to Blizzard within the Hearthstone team. Question number two What's the first computer game that you played? Uh, how can I remember that? I mean, <laughs> that was
2: back in the Commodore. Uh, uh, 64 the first one probably some uh one of these olympic games where you have to you know tap the joy, joystick to run like windows or something like that it would be in in that category
0: I, I played a similar game back in my day as well uh question number three what's the most fun thing that you've ever done in life I can see he's just searching the memory banks. That's a good thing, though. There's there's a lot of content to go over.
1: There's a lot of stuff that he can't talk about. That's why.
0: Yeah. yeah, no, no. I mean, that's, it's
2: kind of like a happiness. I don't think it's a singular thing. Mm-hmm. It's okay. just living in general. I think that I find that pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, and I'm in a very exclusive position because I'm actually working with what I love, right? So it's... Mm-hmm. Uh, i would not mention i have three kids and and the they are amazing but you were saying fun thing the most fun thing
0: so like uh skydiving was the most thrilling fun thing that i've ever done kind of, or uh yeah. you know yeah but i've tried scuba diving and, yeah. and you know river rafting and winning mm. dance
2: competitions and well, so you got a lot to pull from Jeez. yeah yeah i don't week. know what was most fun but uh <laughs> 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 yeah, you can be with your friends, right? And you can have a, a great time, right? So it's, yeah, it's I don't know. So, yeah. <sighs> It's just living that's pretty fun, I think.
0: But that's if that's your answer, man, that's a pretty damn good answer. That's I'm jealous of that answer because I would have said one thing. He's like, Larry, everything I've done is the most fun thing (laughs) after I wake up
1: before I sleep.
0: That's that's (laughs) uh, question number four if you could be one game character for a day, who would it be? Uh probably
2: Lara Craft, I think. Oh nice. Because she's she's she just living
0: so many adventures. Mm-hmm. So that that seems pretty amazing. Yeah, she's a very well well rounded individual. Search for yeah. treasure. She's <laughs> yeah, physically yeah. fit. Uh yeah,
2: you can go ahead right should... on the adventure and, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You have
0: no worries. Actually she has a lot of to struggle with, but uh
2: yeah, <laughs> she would be she would be the one, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, and this question actually comes to you by our guest from last week who successfully completed the challenge, Mr. Ed McRae, fantastic uh, narrative designer. He asks you, if you had to choose between keeping your most beautiful narrative moment or your mechanical moment, which one has to go?
2: Uh, That would be, in my case, the narrative moment. Get this dialogue out of here. <laughs> uh, and I mean, but that's a curse, I think, because it, you can even when you look at at uh, at War Tide, for example. And I have a background as you know a core game designer, mm-hmm. and and in in at IO Interactive, it was always. We need to get the mechanics working before we write the story. We need mm-hmm. the mechanics, and we need the me- mechanics, and and then you have the other department saying we need the story, and they build the story, and they build like sp- uh, special setups, and and you name it, and, and then afterwards we came in and okay, how are we going to design mechanics around you know this event or this this uh, this. Narrative, and so it's a it's constant struggle about you know having a great narrative and 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 great mechanics, and in Wartile I've been like going straight in with a lot of mechanics. Ah, oh, they need to work. The timing needs to be right, and you know it needs to to have the right flow and the right uh, challenge. And 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 today, I think one of the the things that we are really missing in in wartime to to really be be really good is is the narrative we we still need a good story that can engage the player and and, mm-hmm. and get the player to like uh you know uh be in love with the universe and 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 see that as a, as a motivation to progress uh so that's something we we need to look at but, but i didn't really see that coming uh mm-hmm. like one year ago it's just like yeah the story the story just needs to be a framework of of this world of mechanics, but uh, but as we you know as we learn our audience to know our audience, uh, then we know now that you need all the pillars uh, to be working well together. Mm-hmm. So uh, so it's with with um, how can I say with
0: the heavy heart you
2: yeah with heavy heart <laughs> I would still say the narrative because it's a game I'm making. If I was making something else, I would yeah. say. Let's lose the mechanic, but it's, I mean, for me, games in its core is about setting up a challenge Mm -hmm. for the player. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, the art and the story and the music, it's really important to to make an overall good experience. But if, if the challenge is not there, you know, you have to run from A to B and you have to jump over the, you know, the something that's in between. Yeah. Then it could be crocodiles or pit holes, or you know, and that's the story, right? So, but, mm-hmm. but if the challenge is not there,
0: then it's no longer a game, really. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> well, I will say this it's definitely not the first place time, but you completed, <laughs> <laughs> you completed the challenge, and so you get the same reward. You get to ask a question to our next week's guest. So, Mr. Jacobson, I would appreciate it if you could throw at me a very decent game development or game related question. Yeah,
2: and I do this without uh, having time to think. Um, um, Okay, Uh, I don't know actually how to formulate it, but it is very much about uh, killing your darlings, right? so so imagine that uh, it's, it's something about that if you have a a really great game idea or are in love with it, let's just call it a game mechanic mm-hmm. uh, but but you have your audience not understanding it or appreciate it would you then for the the sake of your creative art let's call it that. Uh, keep it or would you uh, throw it away to be more uh, casual so to speak do you understand that question
0: Uh, so you're saying you've created something in your game and you really appreciate it you think that it's a very dynamic experience but it's not really landing well with the customers so do you keep it or do you you know throw it to the wayside so that the customers can enjoy the experience better. Yeah.
2: It's it's kind of like uh, you have the fast lane uh, where everybody's moving, and yeah. then you have created something special, but it keeps like, uh, being a <laughs> Yeah. And then, uh, okay, do you just like throw that away and then you might lose the, what's making your game stand out or make it, you know, it can be unique, and then have to go in and do the same as everyone else
0: okay that's fair i I believe i might reword it a little bit for uh the the pace but yeah i can do that thank you very much this is uh that was good yeah so now let's get to the real
1: meat oh go ahead brandon well this is a perfect time right um so we talked about your experience at io interactive uh and then moving on so that transition and making that jump it's always scary uh, from a super stable <laughs> job to, a, you know, jumping into the abyss, right? So how was that transition at that point in your career? And what um, finally made you uh, make that decision?
2: Uh, that's okay. I think that's... Uh, I, the last years I was there, uh, I went through some very drastic changes so they had uh, some big layoffs and um and changes in like the the internal structures Mm -hmm. that you know over a few years i lost a lot of very good colleagues Mm -hmm. and uh, at some point i think i found myself in a position where most of the people Uh, I was really looking up to and I thought that could teach me a lot and help me progress as an individual but also in my profession as a game designer. They were uh, disappearing Mm -hmm. and uh, and I mean there's still a lot of really really there was also and there is a lot of really talented people Uh, Mm -hmm. but you know when there's a lot of uh, changes I mean, you, you kind of, and you lose your colleagues, you also lose your ethos, and you have to have to build up your reputation again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I suddenly found out that uh, I was in a position where everything I've been struggling for, you know, changing the way we design games and the way we think of gameplay and mechanics, uh, it was kind of lost and I had to start again explaining or or showing it to Mm -hmm. new people. uh, I just, I kind of realized that I was not no longer progressing. I was not evolving myself, but I was in a constant struggling to help the company evolve. So there they were, and they are still really, really talented. but But at that time I didn't see how, I didn't see how that, could be a place for me the next few years. And at that time, I'd also been working on Hitman for three years. And I think there would be one to two years before it would actually release. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was, ah, it's time for me to try something different. And it was, it had always been my, my goal to start up my own company or not the company, but to create my own game or be yeah. part of a small core creating a game. And, uh, it was, it was a great time to do that. It was just felt like uh, it's now. So, um, yeah, so I resigned at IO and started up a playbook project, uh, not knowing that my wife would announce two months later that she was <laughs> pregnant with our third child, <laughs> So up. that was, that was a hard transition.
0: You know, and, what, that's just motivation to do well. It's like, yeah, well, that's, uh, this game has to work. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: no i, was, I mean uh, yeah larry and i can definitely relate to that like i've been um at a couple AAA places and you know when you start to go into the industry uh, i think your your desire to work at huge companies work on a huge game that's the first thing you want to do right? it's like oh yeah of mm-hmm. course the, the glory is there so i'm gonna go there and then once you get there things don't work out as well. You, you just see your friends starting to disappear <laughs> and it gets pretty lonely yeah. because now you're the old guy. You're the old guy yeah. at the studio. Yeah. And then now you have to prove yourself to the new guys. Like, motherfucker, I've been here <laughs> for this long. So So that's happened at least, I would say, uh, f- at least personally for me, like three different companies, like three mm-hmm. big companies where I was um, in that, uh, a part of that turnover period, right? The, and it, the progression was definitely not by design. Where you know the first company, I stayed a little longer than I thought. Than I, you know, in retrospect, that I should have, right? And then the second one, you know, I, I left like as you know a little after people were starting to leave. And then the first one is like I left before anyone left, <laughs> and that was me learning as a veteran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what you yeah. know the time the was. key yeah. indicators yeah the key indicators were shooting off so um yeah i mean yeah. It, it uh i can definitely relate to what you're saying it's like um i mean you know
2: it not everyone can be choosers as such but i think it's it's really important that whenever you get up in the morning. It's it's like you are looking forward to what you are going to spend your day on because you know you don't know how many days you have, and and, and I mean, it's just important that you constantly feel challenged and that you are contributing contributing uh, to to whatever you're doing and mm-hmm. to your colleagues and friends, right? And and if if you go into a limbo where nothing moves in your working life. Mm-hmm. I mean, then, then it doesn't move in your life at all uh, in itself, right? So it's, it's. I think no matter what you do, it's, it's still about being engaged in what you do and the time you are you're spending on whatever you do. So, yeah, and then, I mean, uh, professionally, it's a big change from going from you know these but you know it from a big corporation where you have really, really talented people on each
0: um, like discipline say, or something.
2: Each discipline, yeah. yeah. So you have like really good animators, uh, good programmers, you have uh, uh, good uh, um, art designers and everything. And then you go in to do something by yourself, and in the beginning, it was just me sitting, drawing. Ah, oh, what should I make? I didn't even have an idea of what kind of game I would make. Right? Uh, I must say, I maybe left a bit too early. I could have waited <laughs> half a or something like that, so that I at least had something to start working on. Just
1: pondering. So, yes, I mean, yeah.
0: Well, let's explore the early development of, uh, of excuse me, War Tile, because it looks fantastic. I'm a big fan of any sort of tabletop game. Even if it's digital, that's even better because I can pay 60 bucks and then I get the whole army kind of thing. So I- I'm a big fan of where you're going with the game. But let's go back to those early drawings. And yes, the pressure of the baby is on the way. You've quit your job and you're burning finances. How many ideas did you go through before you settled in on this one? And what was it about this one that made you pick it? Um,
2: I think, uh, I think, yeah, Wartile have changed, uh, not in it, its core, but uh, in its it, the way it plays and looks and stuff like that uh, since it was the beginning. So I had I don't remember how many sketches I did, uh, but I had a lot of different ideas. But but Wartile just started. With with one simple idea, and that was to to make a you know this living breathing tabletop game, or the feeling of playing with miniatures. That was mm-hmm. that was actually that was the the directional star, mm-hmm. um, because I was just imagining. Uh, as a kid, I was playing. Uh, I was playing like a lot of other kids with miniature figures and stuff like that. And they go like, uh, "I'm gonna pinch you!" And then uh, <laughs> and they go like this, and then you pick up a third one, and ah, uh, they fight. <laughs> and and this this notion, you know, as a child, it's no problem. You have all the fantasy, and and you make the sounds and stuff like that. Uh, and I was thinking, oh, I just love that time. I just, I, I would love I could do that again uh, now with my kids, but. Even with my kids, I can I can like do it in five to ten minutes, and I get like oh, all dizzy and then uh, <laughs> tired in my head, like going uh, playing like this, and they can do it for hours. And I said, th- I was thinking that you you know. Even as grown ups, we really love to play mm-hmm. uh, but but maybe if the computer did all the hard work you know all the animations mm-hmm. and the talking and the, you know the interaction and there was a system built around it, but you still feel like you are moving pieces around like oh, and then they fight like this battle chess in star wars so so I think that was that was the idea mm-hmm. um to begin with. And then we started working on it, and and made it this uh, cooldown based. We had a lot of different versions uh, going on that that gave you a different flow. Um, and we had, I mean, the the first battle board, uh, the the actual, the first battle board we did had tiles, and then we moved away from tiles and had like landscapes and stuff like that. But then we moved back to tiles because it just it just helped you. Yeah imagine the world and ah, i can move these are the these are the places i can stand it was yeah. communicating yeah. very well and and then suddenly we start cutting the the boards up uh like in these small tabletop geowamas and uh, i mean things just progress uh and we started to get cards in the bottom you know you have godly cards and you have ability cards and you also have pickups and and stuff like that so at some point in the development, and then this is its in, in game design, I think it's very rarely that you uh, make a, a game design document and then that's going to be the game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't heard about <laughs> it. haven't ever. Yeah. It's, uh, you have an idea, you try to flesh it out, you do your paper prototype, you go and put it in the engine, you think it works, you get people to play it. It doesn't work it doesn't communicate you go back and design it again and next time it works a little bit better and then you go back and it's you know it's a constant it's a constant iteration of your previous idea and it it just keeps going on Uh, it feels like you are never moving on but but i mean when i'm sitting today and looking at the prototypes we had just like one year ago or two years ago, I'm thinking, oh, it's amazing. Oh, we have done so much. I I don't believe it. Like it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a baby growing, right? And evolving and suddenly it can speak and it can make sounds and uh, it can communicate and people having a good time to play it, right? Being fairly close to our final release, I think there's still a lot of stuff we can do better. Um when we get the feedback from our audience, uh and when we read reviews and when we see people play the game, it's like, ah, okay, can they see uh, that if they do this and this and yeah. so it's it's I mean, the level of polishing is just keep each other. So um, but um I actually forgot the, the first question because now I'm just
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was just saying what was it about this idea that made that you oh, yeah, made yeah. it like, yep, that's it. Yeah, it was it was definitely the the
2: childhood memories, stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, to get that that feeling mm-hmm. flowing that you 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 play with these miniature figurines.
0: So let me ask you this. It says right now, PC and Mac uh, and tablets may be on the way in the future, but have you ever thought about what a VR or an AR version of this experience could do for you? Yeah. That to me we is like. thought a lot about it. Yeah.
2: It, it, <laughs> it, it looks like a really good, like, look. it it seems like a really good idea. Mm. Um, so currently we are just, polishing up the game for the final uh, PC release and we started uh, porting the game to consoles Um, and uh, the tablet is something that we'll just wait a little bit about Uh, Mm -hmm. team I have to say we're like in-house three guys Mm -hmm. and then we have uh, four freelancers that that works on and off Mm -hmm. so it's I mean when we do the porting it's a few months it's 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 going to take us so uh, so the pc and controls is our first uh, focus um we have talked a lot about uh, vr we have not tried ar but we tried a little bit uh, vr and i think the moment we have uh, you know <clears throat> the control set uh, and we have we know the amount of resources and time it's going to take into yeah. the the console market, then we are better geared to look at at uh, VR and AR. I totally agree that it 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 could prove to be a, a great option. I mean, it's what's not to like about you know uh, battleboard dioramas and then virtual reality or something like that. So, but it's not something that we active are doing as of yet. Yeah.
0: Awesome. If there was maybe one or two major mechanics that, you know, Wartile has, it kind of differentiates the offering from other, you know, miniature tabletop type fantasy computer experiences. I guess where would you put your money and say, these are the two differentiating factors that make our game a unique offering? Um, the art style would be one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give
2: you that for sure. Uh, I haven't seen uh other i mean we have different definitely uh sources of inspiration i think that that, that we could put uh, put in the same category uh but but it's i mean when we take a screenshot and post it it's it's very unique you uh, nobody should sit and there, okay what game is, this? is that this or this or this or or that it it's it's i mean we are the only one doing these diorama battle boards to that degree that that uh, that it have right now. So I, I would definitely say the art style is one, and then we have the cooldown based mechanic, <clears throat> which um, is helping us, in our perspective, to keep, to 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 give the player this notion of playing with miniatures or living miniatures so yeah. it you don't have to so you don't have to sit and wait for the ai to do something or for for the the your abilities to play out it but it it's not really fast paced either so yeah. it it's still like you have you're you're grabbing your figurines and moving them into the battle and they fight and you move them out again and you play a card and everything is is alive when you do it you have yeah. to monitor your your figurines but it, it it's still different because you don't you don't pick up a figurine and say hey you have to go up in that corner and the other figurine goes up in that corner and then they go by themselves. You have to constantly pick them up and move them uh small steps at a time and then attend to their abilities and and, and everything. So so that mechanic or that That game design is also very unique. I have not seen that in other games
0: as well. Mm -hmm. You nailed it, man. Right on the head. That's definitely a feature of your game that I would say makes it stand out for sure. And the art is fantastic. Like while scrubbing through the page, the tiles look really good. You know, each individual tile, the figurines, you know. uh, So this looks awesome. This looks awesome. So, did you guys explore multiple engines before deciding on using Unreal, or was that your first shot? Does someone do you have just a lot of experience in Unreal? I guess why choose that engine for what you're doing? Um, I tried Unreal Engine before at the the side guys when
2: I worked at we uh, we called Retrograd, was the name of the game. So that was uh, Unreal Three, and then we moved. (laughs) Excuse me, Uh, then we moved to. uh, the Glacier uh, engine, and that's the engine they use at IO Interactive. So, at as a game designer using Glacier, it was very much about uh, blueprints or visual scripting. I was able to do a lot of visual scripting as as a game designer in there, allowing me to to you know make fairly simple prototypes, mm. um, because I I cannot program as such. I do, I do not write code. Um, But visual scripting is, is, I can use that. And um, when I then started, it was uh, Unity or Unreal. So I spent some time with Unity. And um, I I think it's a great engine. I haven't used it much, uh, but I had to learn C Sharp before I could start making my own game. And uh, I then uh, tested Unreal and uh, i was able to do a lot of stuff with uh, the blueprint mm-hmm. and uh, that was one factor also now i wouldn't dare to say uh, uh, something about which engine renders the most beautiful oh, graphic yeah, yeah, but i know that okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unreal is, is a really strong engine uh, regarding uh, nice art um, and to 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 show your art, if if that's a really important factor. Uh, but but the thing with Unreal was that if our uh, company was to scale at some point, mm-hmm. we would have level designers and game designers and non-programmers being able to do very, very deep visual coding. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. and that would, uh, in in my point of view, save the the coders to do core backend systems mm-hmm. instead of <laughs> helping out with tools for, for the level designers uh, or game designers as such. Um, to me, it was very important that we could, you know, get a level designer in and he would be able to do the whole level by himself mm-hmm. uh, without asking, oh, could you just help me with that feature? Could you just help me with that feature and stuff like that? It, it kind of had we kind of had to do that with IO Interactive. Everything you wanted to do, just a little bit out of the the normal, then you had to help have help of a programmer. I think looking back, it's uh, coming from from Denmark and Copenhagen. I mean that. This is where Unity was invented. Uh, we have a lot of uh, the game developers uh, that use Unity. I think it's ninety-nine percent <laughs> of game developers in Denmark are using Unity, and the few <laughs> is using uh, the Unreal Engine. So more and more is uh, starting to look at the Unreal Engine, uh, but but it makes, for example, if we need a coder, he needs to be good at uh, C plus mm-hmm. plus, and uh, that's a bit harder to find. Uh, but we have one uh, Jensabiel, and he's very talented. <laughs> All
0: right, so, shout out to him, Brendan. You had a question? Yep. Yeah. Oh, we might. He might have stepped away for a moment. So I'm back. So let me ask you this: Obviously, it's scary, kind of going into your own project. I mean, especially with everything that you said. Were there any struggles that you had to overcome? Now, this isn't game development. This is just personally, like, oh man, is this the right step? Was it the right time? You know, uh, am I going to be successful? What were some of the personal barriers that you had to overcome? I guess to to help make this game get to where it is.
2: <clears throat> yeah, uh, I would say it's uh, you need to be pretty optimistic. Let's uh, don't 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 go. Don't go indie or uh, <laughs> if, if you are the pessimistic type uh, and even, I would even say if you are too realistic, if you have a too realistic view of the world, then uh, it could be dangerous as well. So I'm a, personally, I'm a fighter. I really like when things are not going my way. It, 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 I feel challenged about it and say, okay, what? I can do this. No yeah. problem. I'll, yeah. I'll find my way to it. Uh, so it's uh, so it really, I think it requires a, per, a certain personality. It also, I think one of the the hardest thing is um, well, let's just think about it uh, when you ask. It's kind of self control uh, because start doing uh, th- things on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it involves a lot of, you know, money and budgeting uh, and you have your family and you you have no idea if you'll be able to have money for the next month or the three next month and uh, in half a year. You have to work, you have to learn to live with uncertainty and um, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, and I mean, I thought it would be... F- fairly easy to, you know, you could find an investor and they would put money in uh, the project and it's, it's much harder. Not, I don't think it's, it's probably not, I don't know if it's hard to find an investor but it's hard to find the correct match that mm-hmm. that where your ambitions and your goals are exactly the same as the in, uh, investors mm-hmm. um, and that that you know, how much creative control would i lose and how much money would we gain or be able to spend and i mean it's it's just a totally different world uh, and um, when i created a playbook project i was a game designer mm-hmm. <laughs> creating a company and i think that's also really important to know that 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 making i mean when you start your own game development company it's it's this is only thirty percent of what you will be doing. You'll be also handling budgets and employees yeah. um you know talking to investors you'll do marketing you you have you have to do so much that is not about game development and I think that's something that surprised me and probably was the hardest deal the hardest part to deal with uh because you're not prepared, you're not educated, and you have to learn as you go on, right? Um, so now, have uh, I've learned a lot. I still have lots to learn, uh, yeah. both in in gameplay and in 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 running a business. Um, yeah. But uh, but I mean, you need you 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 need a strong stomach, and don't panic. I mean, I think the first year I had lots of nights where I could not sleep uh, because I was worrying about all kind of stuff, but I've learned to control my mind mm-hmm. and then try to, if I can't do anything about it, just clean out, get some sleep, deal with it tomorrow and stuff like that. Uh,
1: I just have one question. I mean, that was a perfect ending, but I just have one question because I am a family guy myself. I have a wife and two kids. Yeah. And you know, going into indie is uh, well, the word uncertainty is something you got to be inc- comfortable with, but it's definitely not the sexiest word to pitch to the wife, right? So, <laughs> what what kind of advice would you have for family guys? Um, because people assume that when people go indie that uh, they look a lot like Larry, right? <laughs> but <laughs> there are a lot of, you know, indie guys who are family guys as well, right? So what advice would you have for those guys that are thinking about it, but uh, because of the instability, the uncertainty, it scares them a bit. Like, what yeah. What would you say to those? Um, if they really want to do it. Yeah,
2: if they really want to do it, I think experience is important. I'm happy that i i I did it when I had like ten years of experience because it gives you uh, credibility I think the credibility is very important and um, now you cannot use that towards your wife but it gives you uh, <laughs> yeah. it gives you credibility towards possible investors that could step decide or make your, your budget work um also, don't do it alone. I did it alone. I would not recommend it. Do it alone. Do it with uh, w- one or two partners, uh, experienced partners, so that you can share the burden. You can share all the the hard decisions and and if things start to look, you know, rough, you're not alone uh, in 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 that situation. And I did it alone. And I I mean. If if there was one thing I had to do again, it would be uh, do it with an experienced partner who is as committed as yourself. So you don't want to get halfway and he quits because it's it's you know it's it's just something that somebody uh, you know then then you both have to be committed. Um, it's a good idea to have a lot of savings. I had a lot of savings. Uh, They all spent, they were all spent uh, like one year ago. Uh, So because, you know, in the first uh, couple of months or years, you won't earn any money, Mm -hmm. especially in game development, because, you know, game development, you spend years creating a product that might sell in the end. So, you know, the, the risk is humongous it's really really if it was just hot dogs I mean we could figure out if we could sell it in a few hours right Uh, but it it just takes so much time and it's so resourceful to make games Um, so you need to okay there's one thing I also think it's it's, none of these things I say would calm down your wife Uh, but, but I think it's still an important approach you have to set goals it's very important that you set personal goals for your own achievements and that means um, I did that myself I said okay I'm going to work like 3 or 4 months and if we have this if we have a you know a good prototype we're running and it feels good then I'm going to give it four more months mm-hmm. and if we have a prototype that works well with our testers and uh, is uh, we have investors or other parties uh, showing interest then I move on, and, and that all the time trying to to reach these goals uh, uh and then then you move on because if you don't reach the goals uh, then maybe something is wrong, and if you commit beyond the goals, risk you know it's you risk more because you have spent eight months maybe doing something that you thought you could achieve in two months mm. and then 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 you might lose everything uh, all right? so it's i think it's very very important that you put in goals that are your personal marker of when to quit
0: mm. or when to go on hopefully go on but but um well <clears throat> i don't know about you guys but i can tell time <laughs> and i look at my clock and it says we've been podcasting for over an hour So, Mr. Michael Jacobson, I have a reward for you for successfully completing your first Game Dev Unchained podcast, and we hope you come back and do some more with us. But at this time, Brandon and I are going to be very quiet. We're going to give you the microphone, and you can speak directly to the audience to promote, to shout out, or to tell stories about something that's very important to you, something you're working on, or just advertise something, you know, that you want to have more awareness. So without further ado, sir, the floor is yours.
2: Thank you. I think uh, actually I would like to spend this uh, opportunity to give a call out to all the cool indie developers out there that are really trying to to do new and amazing stuff, and who is was driven by their, you know, their their own motivation, their own perspectives, their own ideas, and 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 um, you know their their ways of expressing themselves, and. I really hope that there's uh, continuously room for for thinking in different ways, uh, because I mean, with wartime, we've definitely experienced that uh, doing things out of the ordinary can be really rewarding, but also <clears throat> met with, you know, hmm, what is this? Why do they do that? And stuff like that. And that, of course, re- referring to it's looking like a turn-based game, but is a real-time game. And uh, I think it's I think it's really important that, that all the indies keep moving their projects into different uh, directions and trying uh, things that are new because you have all the established AAA uh, Gamer, uh, game industry, doing kind of the same and the same and the same and the same, and they are exploring very little within their their field. And then you have like a huge framework of indie developers giving uh, the players uh, different options and new experiences, different challenges, stories, narratives, and new experiences, so so on. So it's 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 actually very much both to the, the developers and to the players to keep an open mind and. Don't be afraid of trying something different. But make sure it works
0: first. <laughs> Amen. That's it. Well, I think that's pretty cool. It's uh it's very nice of you to be encouraging with your minute. And it, a lot a lot of people like promote or shout out their products. So I'll do that for you. Definitely go check out War Tile <laughs> <laughs> that they've been working on. Uh, Playwood's what is what's the full name? project yeah thank you it's on steam early access 1999 it's a great looking game i don't own it myself so i can't tell you that it's fun but it looks legit (laughs) so without further ado i give the mic to you Larry charles i'm saying good night
1: this is brandon fam i'll see you guys next week
2: yeah this is mike rock have a nice day
0: all right